0: to Christians today who want to use political power to make it much more dangerous to be a woman. What can the life-giving Jesus of our reading this week say to them? It would do well uh, for all of us to pause and to sit for a time with these stories. Welcome to this week's episode of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery and this is episode 473. Our title this week is Jesus Jairus and respect for the bodily autonomy of women. And our feature text is Matthew 9 9 through 13 and verses 18 through 26. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told them. And Matthew got up and followed him. but sinners. While he was saying this, a synagogue leader came and knelt before him and said, My daughter has just died. Come and put your hand on her, and she will live. Jesus got up and went with him, and so did his disciples. Just then, a woman who had been subject to bleeding for twelve years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, If I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her, Take heart, daughter. He said, Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. When Jesus entered the synagogue leader's house and saw the noisy crowd and people playing pipes, he said, Go away. The girl is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took the girl by the hand, and she got up, and news of this spread through all that region. So, having spent a lot of time, in John, so far this year, uh, the lectionary now uh, transitions to to Matthew. We're we're used to from John, um, uh, Jesus calling his listeners to to know something, but in the Synoptics now, Jesus's call is a little different. It's always follow me. It's a call to action. It's a call to, to emulate Jesus' model of a life of love and justice. The, the synoptics, they don't call us just to know, they call us to follow. You can find this in Mark 2.14 and also in Luke 5.27-28. What I also love in the first part of our reading this week is that Jesus seems to be looking at people through the lens of healing and restoration, of, of making them whole. He doesn't use a lens of obedience with punitive punishments or rewards. Instead, uh, uh, he's not punishing those that are judged by as as morally inferior and withholding his association from them. Instead, Jesus is seeing all the people in this story through a much more dynamic set of lenses. Jesus is well aware that tax collectors are part of the privileged social class of his day. And he knows that the the, the harm that they have done to the masses. And yet he sees these as as symptoms, as signs that, that they've been harmed themselves. His ministry of restoring the humanity of the excluded and the marginalized, it also extends to those that are harming them. Because they too need healing, hurt people, as the saying goes, hurt people, and and Jesus seeks to heal the hurt and restore people's relationships within themselves and with others. It's a holistic view of the economic and social harms uh, of his society, as well as uh, a, a, a way of looking at those that are responsible for those harms. So, if we follow Jesus. Today, I think we will also ask, what is broken and in need of healing inside of a person that causes them to want to harm others politically, economically, and socially? Again, it's holistic. You can find uh, this uh, also in, in, in Mark two seventeen and Luke 5, 31-32. Now, next in, in the Gospels, in this story, um, the Gospels introduce us to Jairus and his daughter. And to the best of our knowledge, Matthew and Luke, they both take this story from Mark. You can find it in Mark 5, 21-43, and in Luke 8, 40-56. And then in the middle of this story of Jairus's daughter is a different story of a woman and her healing. This is the same in Mark and Luke as well, in Mark 5, 24-34, and Luke 8, 42-48. And one thing that bothers me about all of these stories is that they focus on a woman and a little Girl. Yet they uh, only the male that's involved gets a name. Only he is named. We know Jairus by name, but not the woman nor the girl. And this speaks to me once again of a patriarchal context in which these stories were passed down. Both the girl and the woman they had names, and I imagine when the, the when the stories were originally told, their names were used. What, what caused these characters to become nameless objects playing a narrative role in a story rather than the human beings that their names originally communicated? I, I wish that their names had been preserved alongside of Jairus's name. But what lessons can we learn, especially for our justice work this week, from these two stories? I want to confess, in the very beginning... I am uh, uh, deeply indebted to the work of uh, Rita Nakashima Brock for how I read uh, the stories of this woman and this little girl. Uh, and I want to recommend her book. It's this month's uh, reading, uh, recommended reading from Reinhardt Ministries as well. But her book, Journeys by Heart A Christology of Erotic Power, especially chapter four, where these stories uh, receive a, a, a fuller treatment to this story of the woman and the little girl. Brock demonstrates over and over how ec- the exorcism stories in the gospels they were often addressing political domination and subjugation but the healing stories the healing stories are of- often Uh, addressing social structures of of systemic injustice. The story of the woman with the bleeding, it has a strong social dimension. Her illness was a sentence of social death due to the purity codes that her bleeding continually violated. In male-dominated cultures, Female sexuality and reproduction, they're controlled by men. And women's reproductive ability, it's not their choice, but it's governed by men to meet patriarchal needs. And also, within these patriarchal cultures, control of a woman's sexuality uh, or sexual activity is is coupled with um, labeling women's bodies, their bleeding, their birthing, even their genitalia as being unclean. In the context of our, our own patriarchal society today, this woman's story it represents a social reality that women still experience. The narrative placement of this story is also important. The story of the, the this woman who's been bleeding for 12 years, right in the middle of this story of a little girl who has just turned 12, just beginning uh, menstruation and, and just starting to be defined as a woman by her patriarchal culture, both are in or they're entering into, in a patriarchal context, a kind of social death. They're going to now be distinguished as other than and maybe even less than men. They're considered inferior to men around her. And these are these are all signals that we're supposed to be holding in tension in context as we read these stories together. As Brock writes, and this is on page 83, both females are afflicted with crises associated with the status of women in Greco-Roman and Hebraic society. Within these cultures, the woman is quote-unquote plagued with a disease that's connected to having an adult female body. While the little girl, she's on the threshold of puberty. She's coming into an adult female body. The woman has, has already suffered for the same length of time it's taken this girl to reach puberty. The girl is just now entering a, a, a womanhood. She's entering into that. That's why, in a again, socially, Jairus's use of the language here: "My my daughter has just died." Both women. They're suffering in their society for being the females that they are. In Matthew's version of the story, again, Jairus says, my daughter has just died. And the juxtaposition of the bleeding woman with the story of Jairus' daughter, it gives us this hint of of what connects them. There's a a coming of age here that Jairus' daughter has just socially died in the patriarchy, but both she and the older woman, they're about to encounter the life-giving and healing that Jesus represented and that the early Jesus community envisioned for women. And this story, it speaks to me of the injustices that many women suffer even today for simply being a woman, simply because their anatomy is Different from men's. They suffer in a society that that privileges one kind of anatomy over another. And as binary as this is, it doesn't even begin to address the struggles of so many trans folk that they have today in a society that that privileges cisgender men above everything else. In both these stories, Jesus represents liberation and restoration of life for a woman and a little girl whose patriarchal culture. Culture was death dealing so so what does this say to us today what does it say to a faith-based community that still has yet to offer equality to women I know faith-based communities out there that still refuse to ordain women as ministers alongside of men some of who, some of whom uh, these women have proven uh, to be m- way more qualified um, to b- b- to But they don't have the job because those the only people that get those jobs are the men. And and what does this story say to those Christians who in our larger society are right now again seeking to control women's sexuality, their reproductive rights, their bodily autonomy, their access to needed health care? The movement to deny women rights to control their own bodies and their health is the direct result presently of a certain group of Christians who have not allowed the Jesus of this week's story to confront their own biases and misogyny. To Christians today who want to use political power to make it much more dangerous to be a woman, what can the life-giving Jesus of our reading this week say to them? It would do well uh, for all of us to pause And to sit for a time with these stories. Let's allow these stories to to confront us, to challenge us. Is our pro-life stance really life-giving? Or could respecting a woman's bodily autonomy and healthcare decisions, could that be more in line with the Jesus we encounter in this week's stories? And if we can't see the connection yet, then let's sit with our assumptions until we can. Heart group application this week, number Number one, share something that spoke to you from this week's e-site or podcast episode with your heart group. Number two, share one insight you gain from interpreting these stories in the context of social injustice for women, and discuss that with your group. Then number three, what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone? Thanks for checking in with us today. I want to say a special thank you to all of our supporters out there. If you would like to join them in supporting Renewed Heart Ministries' work, you can do so by going to renewedheartministries.com dot com and clicking donate you can find renewed heart ministries on twitter facebook and instagram if you haven't done so already Please follow us on your chosen social media platforms for our daily posts. And also, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, please like and subscribe to uh, the JFE podcast through whatever pa- podcast platform that you're using. And consider, if this is an option, consider taking some time to give us a positive review there. This helps others find our podcast as well. Also, I want to remind you that we're partnering in a new weekly YouTube show called Just Talking. Each week, Todd Leonard and I will be talking about the gospel lectionary reading for the upcoming weekend and we'll be talking about those readings in the context of love and inclusion and societal justice and our hope is that our talking will be just talking as injustice but also that you'll be inspired through the conversation to do more than just talking. If you teach from the lectionary each week or if you're just looking for some thoughts on the Jesus story from a more progressive perspective within the context of social justice check it out. You might like it. You can find Just Talking each week on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash at Herb and Todd Just Talking and remember to like, subscribe and hit the notification button leave us a comment there as well. If you'd like to reach us here at Renewed Heart Ministries through email, you can reach us at info at renewedheartministries.com and lastly, my new book, Finding Jesus, a story of a fundamentalist preacher who unexpectedly discovered the social, political, and economic teachings of the Gospels is now also available at Renewed Heart Ministries com right where you are this week keep living in love choosing compassion taking action and working toward justice i love each of you dearly i'll see you next week